It is time for midday. It's 1130 here at KRBN. Tyler Cavallio with you. We'll hear from Jason Jorgensen in a wacky day of sports. Business reports giving an update and our own Bob Brogan here in just a moment. Beautiful day out, by the way, here on this October 29th. We have a busy, busy show to get to, so let's hear from our own Susan Littlefield to give us a preview. Well, thanks, Tyler. Here's what's happening on the midday today from the farm team. Alex will kick everything off with the Angler Journey. Is talks about a podcast for the past year and how one person is transitioning into a new role. Then at 1245, I'll be talking about the ever-changing world of digital agriculture and what we do with all the information that we're collecting. And then Alex will wrap everything up at 117 as we learn more about how two girls from the Norfolk FFA finished in the Agri-Science Fair at the National Convention. That's a midday from the farm team. Thank you very much, Susan. Look forward to hearing from all of that information. Congratulations to those Norfolk students as well. Well, let's turn over to sports and Jason and well, the Huskers. They had a makeup game and then they didn't. <laughs> Which I don't understand this. Uh, not to be critical, but Nebraska knows how the Big Ten feels about Nebraska. So before you would go and spend all of your time trying to line up another game and rile up your fan base, mm-hmm. I don't know why you wouldn't check with the Big Ten first. That's a good point. So apparently Nebraska had this worked out with Tennessee Chattanooga. They tested all of their guys. Uh, they were clean. They were ready to come up. Nebraska was going to pay them between about uh, two twenty-five dollars and $250,000 to come mm. play a football game okay. on Saturday. I didn't know that part. But the Big Ten Council of Presidents stepped in today and voted to reaffirm its decision to play only conference games this football season, even if games are canceled and open dates emerge. Here's my thing. In 2020, you have to be flexible. Everything has to be flexible, no matter what, because things are going to change and, and on a whim. And credit both Nebraska and Chattanooga for arranging this and having it set up potentially for Saturday. And then uh, then, then there's, they just won't allow it. So, but, I'll, but I'll go back to my original point. If you're in Nebraska, isn't the Big Ten the first place you call and say, look, okay, we got a shot to add a game here. Sure. You guys are going to be okay with that, rather than putting all the work into it. And then they surprisingly, stomp it down at the end. You have to wonder also if they would have asked first. It's always kind of going that thing. If you ask first instead of just doing it, then they may have a different outcome. I don't know if that would have been any different, but, well, at least they tried it. They tried, you know, and if, if the shoe were on the other foot, and I understand why Wisconsin pulled the plug, but if the shoe were on the other foot, I think Nebraska would have tried a whole lot harder to try to make it work than Wisconsin did. Sure. Well, not going to happen, so we'll have best of games here on 880. What we will happen is live football in UNK down in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Yeah, and I was just showing you on the map you where were. Pittsburgh, Kansas is, and uh, it's, it's a ways down there. You said it was basically a stone's <laughs> throw to Arkansas. You weren't kidding. Maybe a couple skips here and there, but you'll get there. Yeah, well, we'll have the game Saturday over on the river at 12. All right, very good. Uh, Bob Brogan, do you have any more uh, better news for us here? Well... I uh, I'm here. I guess that's <laughs> that's true. That's, that's end of the show. It's over. Wow. That's all we need. That's decent news. <laughs> uh, the economy grew at a sizzling 33 percent in the uh, July September quarter, by far the largest quarterly gain on record. We'll have store uh, details on that, and also stocks moving higher today. All right. Thank you very much.
Time for our daily look at the regional ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. That means the one and only Paul Perkins has stepped in and well, we're starting to see some more seasonal-like temperatures, finally. Yes, getting back to what we like to see in the month of November, those seasonal temperatures and enjoying that fall-like weather. And even better weather is on the way as we head towards next week. I like it a lot. Uh, again, this weekend shaping up to be fairly nice outside. We're already seeing some 50s. Ogallala looks like the warmest spot in the state, so let's keep that going. Exactly. We'll try and work it this way a lot more as we head through the next few days. We do have those temperatures, yeah, about 50 to 55 from Ogallala on into northeast Colorado. Most of our temperatures still in the upper 30s to the low 40s. Sunshine continuing to increase today as low pressure over Oklahoma tracks even farther to the east. We're just on the outer edges of the influence of that system. Our temperatures today still about 5 to 10 degrees below average with some westerly winds at about 10. Now tomorrow through next week we can expect seasonal to above normal temperatures with some dry weather. Some good news with harvest progress as a ridge of high pressure builds to our west. The exception will be on Sunday with some cooler weather in behind a dry passage of a cold front. And that will be moving through Saturday afternoon with that front's passage. Northwest winds expected to gust to around 35 to 45 for Saturday afternoon and evening before those winds die up by the overnight. Critical fire weather conditions won't be a concern since the humidity will stay well above the critical thresholds. But if you're doing some trick-or-treating with the kids, those winds may be a bit on the brisk side late in the day. Now, the Sunday cool-down going to be a brief one as temperatures are expected to soar well above normal for much of next week. Multiple days, we'll see temperatures warm into the 60s and 70s when that ridge of high pressure pushes onto the plains. There is a slight change in our a slight change in our long-term forecast. Warmer than normal temperatures are still likely for Nebraska and Kansas the middle part of next week. But by next weekend through the 11th of November, just a slight change here. Temperatures will trend more seasonal to slightly above normal. Precipitation predicted to be slightly below normal to near normal for Tuesday through November 11th for both Nebraska and Kansas. In the regional drum monitor, all of Nebraska continues to experience some level of dryness. Abnormally dry conditions continue in much of Nebraska. Severe drought continues in central areas from around Burwell, south to Loop City and St. Paul, also along and south of I-80 from Hastings to Ogallala, and in eastern Nebraska to the north of I-80. Nearly all of the Nebraska panhandle still remains in level 3 extreme drought. Nearly all of Kansas continues to experience abnormally dry conditions to a moderate drought. Severe to extreme drought still found in the counties along the Kansas-Colorado border. And of note, 76% of Colorado is an extreme to exceptional droughts, so very dry in the state of Colorado. Key weather factors in the market include drier weather for central Argentina and improved world winter wheat moisture. In the Midwest, moderate to heavy rain across the east the next two days will disrupt the harvest. Western Midwest areas, warmer and drier with more favorable harvest conditions over the next 7 to 10 days. For the Southern Plains, beneficial precipitation for winter wheat has occurred over the last five days in some high production areas of south central Kansas, throughout Oklahoma and northern Texas. Russian wheat areas will continue to have promising rounds of moderate to heavy rain the next five days. Useful moisture ahead of dormancy. Australian wheat areas, some periods of rain this next week, including heavy amounts in southeast crop areas. The rain will disrupt the harvest some. Harvest is in its final stages in Queensland and is underway in northern New South Wales and West Australia. Yields are reportedly positive. Central Argentina only expects light rain this coming week. Soil moisture had a favorable recharge from recent moderate to heavy rain. The forecasted drier trend, though, bears watching since the current La Nina pattern has a high relationship to a drier crop year 
in central Argentina. So what I'm hearing is snow probably going to be off uh, in the not in the distant future, I, I suppose. So it's going to be a while. Exactly. Yeah, uh, some very good conditions here, mainly dry, and those above normal temperatures, especially for next week, the mid, the early to mid part of next week, going to be very nice, and it should be pretty good conditions over the next several days to get that harvest done. Okay, very good. For more weather, where can you find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you very much. What do you get when you put Nebraska and October together? Nebraska-toberfest. KRV and the River and Cam are featuring area wineries, breweries, and distilleries all month long. Follow us on Facebook when we visit these featured businesses because we're giving you a chance to win a $50 gift certificate. Plus, listen Friday mornings to Land on the River for your chance to call in and win another $50 gift certificate. Check out Nebraska-toberfest on the Fun and Games page at krvn.com for great drinks and unforgettable experiences. The Angler Entrepreneurship Journey, celebrating success, embracing failure, and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you. I overcame doubt by being vulnerable. Thanks so much for joining. Kelly Machineau is Angler's external communications intern. You hear these segments with me every other week, but she's been the host of the Longform Angler podcast for the past year. But trust me when I say it was not a role she was excited about. Yeah, I remember you calling me being like, hey, I sat down in a meeting with Tom and Bryce at KRVN, and we think you'd be a good fit. I was like, nah, uh, I've never even listened to podcasts before. No way. But oh my goodness, uh, I just thank the Lord that I said yes because uh, while this wasn't a business, like really, I mean, I didn't come up with this idea. I really got full ownership over it because A, of you and Tom and everyone at Angler, you all just pushed me to take ownership of this. And that start was hard. Um, that ownership was hard, but it reaped so many benefits in the long run. And even after her experience in hosting the podcast, Kelly kept doubting her abilities, but she knew the mission of the podcast outweighed her doubt. And it wasn't that I didn't want to help tell people's stories, but I, again, didn't think I was enough. And really what overcame that, I think, was talking to myself in those moments, speaking over myself, speaking to the Lord, and just being like, well... What is the why of this? Will this serve people? And the answer was always yes. And that's enough of a reason to open up my car door, walk inside the building, and hit record. And so now, after one year of hosting the Angler Journey podcast, Kelly is quitting. And that's a good thing. There was an entrepreneur inside of us that was being inspired over this last year. And the podcast is what helped me know that there was something else and for me that is video and now we're sitting here and we're celebrating that success and we're celebrating we're celebrating the, the quit because it's not a failure it is um it's a quit and it's a good one at that because it's going to lead to something better now even though being a podcast host wasn't kelly's dream come true it did help her live out her why so if i'm being completely honest i have never actually fully loved hosting a podcast what i love about it is telling people's stories and that's why it was fueling me and that's why i was able to do it for so long is because i was living out what i would say is my why but actually hosting a podcast so getting behind a soundboard getting behind the mic those things just weren't in my wheelhouse of what i love to do and for me that's somewhere else like video so i knew all along honestly but I didn't want to quit because I knew it was going to prepare me for what was to come. So once I felt like that new calling was really, really supposed to happen, like I, I was kind of always called towards video, 
but it was within this last month when I was like, this is really, really where I'm being called. Now is the time to quit. And so in Kelly's transition, she'll be doing more of what she loves. I'm getting into filming weddings, uh, filming farm legacy stories, filming for Angler still, uh, people in Angler. So I'm continuing to live out that why. I am asking people about their why and living on with it for generations to come. But ultimately, and above all throughout Kelly's Angler journey, she's discovered the role that entrepreneurship plays in her life. Through this program and through this past experience of hosting the podcast for the last year, to me, entrepreneurship is serving. And that is what got me out of my car every day. That is what helped me hit record every moment. That's what helped me sit on it, is I knew that ultimately this was serving people. You can learn more about Kelly Machineau and the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln by visiting angler.unl.edu. Thanks so much for joining. Until next time, I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network. And it's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, Nebraska reportedly agreed to a game with the University of Tennessee Chattanooga for Saturday after its matchup with Wisconsin was canceled due to the Badgers experiencing a COVID-19 outbreak. The Big Ten, however, surprise, surprise, shot that game down. According to the Chattanooga Times Free Press, same outlet that reported the agreement, the Big Ten voted against the game today. That now means Nebraska will have an open week with the game against Wisconsin being ruled a no contest. Huskers hope to play next week at Northwestern. Well, third-ranked Ohio State visits 18th-ranked Penn State in the game of the week in the Big Ten. Buckeyes are coming up that big win over Nebraska. They're a double-digit road favorite against the Nittany Lions. Justin Fields can continue to build his Heisman resume. Penn State is still smarting after losing that controversial game to Indiana in overtime. They haven't opened up Big Ten play 0-2 in 10 years. In the Class D2 state football playoffs tomorrow, Loomis travels to Sand Hill Stedford. Wolves head coach Dennis Reese says there's some familiarity in this one. Well, they're a really well-prepared team, and, and we played them last year in a regular season game. and They had some guys that didn't play, but still, I mean, they execute well, and and they're just a, a good, solid team. And quite honestly, they're one that I had picked this year to get in the final. Kickoff tomorrow is set for 6. You can hear that game in the Loomis and Holdridge area on 96.9 KUVR and also at KRVN.com. Another games tomorrow that we will be covering across all of our platforms. It's Gothenburg at Lincoln Christian at 6 right here on 880 KRVN. Kozad visits St. Paul. You can hear that one at 7 on Kimmy Country. And Elm Creek will be hosting Nebraska Christian. Kickoff is set for 7 on the river. Carolina Panthers look for a season sweep of the Falcons tonight after winning 23-16 earlier this month in Atlanta. Teddy Bridgewater threw for 313 yards and a couple of scores in that one, and Mike Davis piled up 149 yards from scrimmage and also scored a touchdown. That is a look at sports. For more, you can check that out anytime at krvn.com. The Chase County Sheriff's Office is looking for a man wanted in Colorado for dangerous crimes. The Sheriff's Office says Anthony W. Hansen is believed to have ties to Chase County. Hansen, who is known to carry firearms, recently ran from authorities in southwest Nebraska. Individuals are asked to not approach Hansen. Anyone with information on his whereabouts is asked to contact the Chase County Sheriff's Office at 308-882-4748.
The state fire marshal's office has identified a woman killed in a southeastern Nebraska house fire last week. Investigators say an autopsy identified the woman as 20-year-old Courtney Knepp of Beatrice. Preliminary results indicate the cause of death was smoke inhalation related to the fire in Philly. Two others injured in the fire, 21-year-old Jaden McGuire and 20-year-old Tyler Reed, both of Philly, are being treated at a Lincoln hospital and both remain in critical condition. The state fire marshal agency confirmed in a news release Thursday that a propane leak caused the fire early Saturday. The Buffalo County Sheriff's Office is investigating a series of incidents near Gibbon on the evening of Tuesday, October 27, 2020. At approximately 8.07 p.m., somebody reported seeing a suspicious white 2015 Chevrolet flatbed pickup with no license plates parked near the property on 78th Road. Deputies responded to the call and found the pickup near 100th and Range Road. The suspect turned off the headlights and continued driving. Due to safety concerns, deputies stopped efforts to contact the driver. Later that hour, the suspect pulled into a property on 85th Road with a suspected intent to steal fuel. The driver struck a piece of farm equipment, got stuck, and was then confronted by the resident. The resident fired several shots in the vicinity of the suspect who fled on foot. No damage or injury was reported. At 9.33 p.m., a John Deere 8130 tractor and ripper attachment was reported stolen from a Shelton resident on Sioux Road. Prior to stealing the tractor, the suspect went through a car in a garage. At 9.47 p.m., the tractor was located abandoned behind Cell Auto and Gibbon with some exterior damage and portions of a chain link fence attached to it. The fence was discovered to be a section from the Gibbon wastewater treatment plant. A small portion of fence from the Gibbon packing facility was also damaged. At 9.53 p.m., a 2007 GMC pickup owned by Cell Auto was missing from the lot and has yet to be found, as well as the person who took it. Upon further inv- investigation, the white Chevy pickup was reported stolen on October 24th. 2020 from Harrison County, Missouri. Responding to the scene were Buffalo County Sheriff's Office, Kearney Police Department, Shelton Police, and Nebraska State Patrol. Anyone with any information about this case is asked to contact Buffalo County Sheriff's Office at 308-236-8555. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. The digital world of agriculture has been around for a while. We've seen that technology continue to grow and change. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. We're talking today with Aaron Deerdorf. He is the head of digital agricultural solutions with Syngenta. And even in the era that we are in with COVID-19, technology and digital has always had a role in agriculture. Sure, yeah, you, you bring up a really good point um, around kind of the environment we're sitting in today, right? I mean, who, who would have guessed that um, either naturally or forcibly we'd be sitting in front of, uh, you know, video monitors and microphones and, yeah, interfacing with each other in a digital sense. So it, in, in some essence, it's forced digital um, on a lot of people, right? Um, agriculture probably has been a little bit more methodical, um, you know, a little bit, um, I shouldn't say slower to adopt because there's quite a few early adopters that, and, and, and technologies that were adopted quickly in agriculture. Um, but you know, overall, we're still on a pretty good journey with uh, things like digital agriculture helping shape, um, you know, how growers basically operate. Um, and what I would share is those items that, 
were um, very high value, um, definitely got adopted very fast. So when we think about things like using GPS to identify areas in your field, um, auto steer is another good example of you know some very fast adopted technology uh, because it, it had very apparent value. It made someone's life easier. It made um, you know more information and more actionable decisions out of that information. Um, so you know that that's rewinding quite a bit, almost you know 15 years or more, um, and how the agriculture space has been shaped. Um, but most probably most recently, um, there's some you know some different technologies that is, it's not specific to ag, but it's causing a lot of good change in the way we use digital tools. What, uh, so, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, having said that, I mean, obviously, we've been embracing in this industry technology for quite a long yeah. time. But how do you see it changing in the near future, considering... Sure you know, how much we've gone to such a virtual world and are we seeing any hindrances because everybody else is virtual and is that causing for some technology issues for agriculture? Yeah, there's there's probably one one big, um, if, if I could say it again, hindrance <laughs> that uh, that does block a, a lot of efficiency and that that's access to one, a reliable connection and more of a broadband connection. Uh, now, with with the evolution of digital and over even just the past couple of years, um, there's a lot of companies, including ourselves, that have taken a mobile first approach. Um, so you know how do we how do we bring new digital technology platforms in the iOS and Android based type of applications? Now that that's a good good opportunity because how many people leave the the farm, leave the home, leave you know do anything without their phone? Um, so that's that's a great opportunity, but where you don't have, or where where customers don't have broadband connectivity, um, even 4G, and now of course 5G signals, you know there are still gaps in the U.S., and that's where we definitely see a hindrance for full digital adoption because you know that that's not there right now, in, in a lot of cases. Now in, in many other parts of the U.S., there's some great connectivity, and there's a lot of growers using new technology. So, what do you see as, as some of the new technologies, the, the hot things that farmers and, and sure. ranchers are going to want to have, especially when it comes to, to crops and, and growth and, and things that they're going to be doing 2021 and beyond? Yeah. I, you know, I think um, some of the, the newer, newer technology that's coming at growers, it, it, I, this is a very busy space, right? There's more tools available now than there ever have been. And in a lot of cases, it's tough to sort through everything. Um, but you know some of the leading pieces that I see, um, broadly speaking, have more of an autonomous or even an artificial intelligence feel. Um, but what I what I probably urge growers and and you know customers, retailers alike, is to kind of work through that with maybe some trusted advisors, um, people that have been really close to this space, uh, because there's always pieces to the puzzle. Um, so when you think about autonomous areas like, you know, drone technology, remote sensing, like, uh, you know, satellite imagery, um, anything that's coming off of, you know, a machine that's, that's you know, you know, going across your field without, uh, you know, a whole lot of human interaction, um, there's a lot of data that comes at you. And 
what my challenge is and what we constantly challenge our teams is around is, you know, there's, there's all these insights, there's all this data, but if you can't take action from that data or that insight, there's little value. And so how do we as an organization and then how do we as an ag industry continue to, you know, hold ourselves accountable to, you know, giving that actionable insight to the customer that wants it. Artificial intelligence is another big area that I think is is really, really hot, really you know, up and coming. Is Talking digital technology with Aaron Deerdorf of Syngenta. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks were moving higher after better-than-expected reports on the economy helped stabilize Wall Street following its worst route in months. The S&P 500 was six-tenths of a percent higher in early trading, following encouraging data on the pace of layoffs and how powerfully the economy rebounded during the summer. Economists warn that big challenges still lie ahead, though. Gains for tech stocks are helping to make up for losses for health care and energy stocks. The S&P 500 is coming off a 3.5% tumble yesterday on worries about the worsening pandemic. The U.S. economy grew at a sizzling 33.1% annual rate in the July-September quarter, by far the largest quarterly gain on record, rebounding from an epic plunge in the spring when the eruption of the coronavirus closed businesses and threw tens of millions out of work. Yet the recovery from the deepest recession since the Great Depression of the 1930s remains far from complete. The Commerce Department's estimate of third-quarter growth regained only about two-thirds of the output that was lost early this year when the economy essentially froze as safety orders forced restaurants, bars, and many retailers to shut down. The number of Americans seeking unemployment benefits fell last week to 751,000. That's the lowest since March, but remains historically high and indicates the viral pandemic is still forcing many employers to cut jobs. Molson Coors Brewing Company today reported third quarter net income of $342.8 million after reporting a loss in the same period a year earlier. On a per-share basis, the Denver-based company said it had net income of $1.58. Earnings adjusted for one-time gains and costs came to $1.62 per share. The results topped Wall Street expectations. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Today we're joined by the senior duo of the Norfolk FFA chapter that just earned the runner-up title in the Power, Structural, and Technical Systems category of the 2020 National FFA Agri-Science Fair. Karen Valkwardson and Mackenzie Milligan are both on the line. Thanks so much for joining us, ladies. Karen, we'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about this project that you guys decided to do. So our project was over how to make ethanol with apple pomace, which is the waste from apples, which would be apple peels or juice or whatever waste you get from whatever you're trying to make. And so we pretty much chose this project because we were both in a natural resource class and we did an experiment on how to make ethanol with corn. And then we just had the question of what else could you use to make ethanol because corn is a very high demanding product in agriculture. And really to make ethanol, all you really need is a source of energy to do it. 
And so we were kind of wondering what kind of waste we could use to potentially make ethanol instead of a usable corn product. So McKinsey, after conducting this research, what were some of the things that you guys discovered in this process? Um, we discovered a lot about like the certain materials and technology that we had to use. Like some of our uh, some of our trials didn't go exactly to plan, so we had to kind of figure out how to use that technology and how to like actually make the experiment go perfectly each time. Karen, let's jump it back to you. You were talking about the demand of ethanol and really the the wide uses of corn across the state. How will this type of a project then influence the ethanol industry? I think this project would at least give the ethanol industry an idea of other things that they could use, that it's not just strictly corn that you have to use. We can use anything from fruits to vegetables to any type of waste products, basically. And so if other people just kind of take into account doing a project like we did, we could really figure out different ways to make ethanol. Mackenzie, back to you. Of course, this is a project that is very science-driven, and the people you're presenting to are very science-based. But when you're talking to the everyday consumer or other people within the FFA organization, what are some things that are important to note about this project? It's important to note that ethanol is actually a resource that goes into a lot of our products. Like it's been, it's being incorporated more and more into the gas for our cars and other energies. So everybody uses it regularly and not everybody realizes that. All right, very good. And Karen, we'll jump it back to you one last time. Uh, Of course, you guys ended up being runners up in the nation in your category. But regardless of the outcome, what are some things that were highlights of being involved in this process? Oh, this project was, this was just crazy, I think, for me and her, especially it was our senior year and then everything going on and us still being able to compete at state and nationals. I think that was one of the best parts is that people still gave us a chance to do what we wanted to do. All right, great information. Thanks so much. That again, Karen Valdkridsen and Mackenzie Milligan, both senior members of the Norfolk FFA chapter, as they were just announced as runners-up in their category of the 2020 National FFA AgriScience Fair. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's talk to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing and Chicago Publisher of the newsletter this week in Crane. And John, we see corn close lower here, seeing some more pressure at the end. That's as there's rumors in the trade that Ukraine has defaulted on a corn shipment. What are you hearing in Chicago? The rumor came out probably mid-morning, so we were trading like 395. And then I read it. I probably read it 40 minutes later on the wire. And um, basically, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Now, first of all, Ukraine farms exclusively non-GMO, so the, the the export partners they have are completely different than the the ones the U.S. does selling y'all number two. So that, with that being said, you know I don't know if the U.S. is going to replace much of it, but in the same breath, it's really tight, uh, and it proves it. You know we've seen Milo trade darn near three hundred dollars a metric ton, uh, and you know Ukrainian farmers selling selling corn at one hundred seventy-five dollars a metric ton and seeing it delivered at three hundred, probably speaking up to the government a little bit. So. 
Um, that's where we find ourselves in these situations r- rather quickly. Obviously, in the last few years, we've seen, you know, retracement, massive retracement, you know, in the case of, of corn and soybeans. Um, but this, you know, I don't want to say it feels. Trading out a field usually doesn't work, but it just feels like something different this time, given the low interest rate picture we find ourselves in and really the COVID situation that is, I mean, gives a, lot, a tremendous advantage to those folks who don't have a ton of debt payments because and, and can continue to raise revenue. And, and agriculture, you can do that. So short term, it, it farmers, you know, look to be in a pretty good spot. And uh, the corn price, which I think is a good reflection of kind of rural America, uh, being about four bucks reflects that. Of course, we still have uh, a few days before the election. There's a lot of volatility still in our more broad markets. But when we see the GDP come back 33% in one shot, obviously that has to lend some support maybe to that commodity inflation theory. Why we're up, you know, a thousand points in the S&P, you know, that's why we rallied six weeks ago so you know we rally and we find out you guys like me and go on the radio and blow smoke about what happened well i mean in reality things are happening that i don't know about a lot of things you know i will find out you know a week later a day later and i think in this case the gdp numbers are baked in the cake i think we're all looking forward now and that's where europe comes into play i mean europe if they're going to slow down and it works it, if it works the case loads and they see those cases drop Bet your bottom dollar, certain politicians in this country are going to push for that to happen. So that's where the election risk comes in. Um, you know, whether or not those laws can be even enforced, that's another question. We'll trade it and then react later. Again, we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures options involves risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. Again, check out John's daily commentary this week in grain at danielzagmarketing.com. All right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this midday edition on Thursday. If you missed anything, you can go back and listen to our podcast sponsored by Devaney Motors. That can be found at krbn.com or on iTunes. Well, I think the time has come. We have found our winner of our 2020 Chevy Blazer. The crew just delivering it. <laughs> Congratulations! How are you guys? Great. I'm How are you, Rodney? Right now, great. Woo! Our winner of our 2020 Chevrolet Blazer is Rodney Barwick. How are you? Awesome, awesome. Man, that just made my year. <laughs> this is great. And who do you have with you? This is Joanne, my wife. Hi. Hi. I'm so excited. We've been anxious all morning. Like, <laughs> is it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Yeah, this has been, this is fun. So, do you even know where you registered? Uh, at Franklin at Ingram Feeds. And I think Kent is with us today, too, Ingram Feed and Seed in Franklin. Did you ever think in a million years that we'd be driving up your driveway? No, I didn't. <laughs> you for a loop when you came that direction. Oh, you were looking for us in the other direction. Oh, wow. So where do you plan on blazing a new trail to first? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> we haven't made any plans, I guess. Well, congratulations. Thank you very much for playing. And we're so excited that our Chevrolet Blazer has found its way to a new home. You guys want to try it out? Absolutely. All right. Hop on in. Congratulations to Rodney Barwick, winner 
of our blazing new trails, Chevrolet Blazer. Another successful summer has come to a close for the River KRVN and Cami. We're going to get reaction from some of our sponsors. And there's a very happy Rodney driving away. <laughs> He's already blazing a trail right through his yard. This is Lana Green for KRVN. And there we go. We have found our winner of the 2020 Chevy Blazer, Rodney Barwick of Orleans. Congratulations to Rodney and his family. Winner of a brand new Blazer. Look like from the video as well. They're just watching. So excited. Check that out on River and KRVN Facebook pages. Of course, we'll have a, a full video put together that you can find later at krvn.com and, of course, on our social media pages. But Rodney Barwick of Orleans is our winner, and he will be blazing new trails of our 2020 Chevy Blazer. Congratulations to Rodney Barwick of Orleans, the winner of the 2020 Chevy Blazer.